0: H.H.W. presents Night of the Living Dudes by the Legion of Dudes. I a lot of trying just to get a bed here. No, we up in a big league.
1: That's the theme song for the Jefferson.
0: Ain't nothing wrong with that.
1: you out of your mind? What? You really need help. And
2: yeah, just because the theme song don't make it not true.
1: Banded together from
3: remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of... Dude, what does mine say? Sweet! What
4: about
1: mine? Dude!
4: What does mine say? Sway.
1: Dedicated to a single objective. An conquest of the universe.
0: Some of us might
3: not make it back. What do you mean? Like, not on the same flight? It's the Legion of Dudes podcast.
0: It's Half Hour Wasted Presents, the Legion of Dudes podcast. I'm here with my fellow constituents, cohorts, and abettors, the Legion of Dudes. Guys, do you want to introduce yourselves this evening? Hey guys, this is Adam. This
1: is John. This is Ken. This is Russ.
0: And I'm Jim Deeds, and welcome to the Night of the Living Dudes. This is one of our first of our free-form roundtable shows we're going to be doing. We're going to be uh, starting a new schedule with this show. We're going to be doing a roundtable episode, then a Maxis series episode, which right now is Who Reads the Watchmen? Uh, I believe it's issue eight coming up. Then we'll be doing a one-shot episode from a trade paperback, like, like uh, our Manier One or Thor, or most recently Craven's Last Hunt episode, then a uh, another episode of Watchmen, and then a roundtable episode like we're going to have tonight. We're going to shoot the breeze and talk about what we're reading, what we're playing, what we're watching, and I think we're going to start out with comics, isn't that correct, gentlemen?
4: Yep. Yeah, we're going to start off. We're going to uh, do a little discussion. We, we tried not to call it off the rack, but um, it's going to be similar to that. We're just going to go around the room and talk about some comics that we may have picked up at the local shop recently. So, Jim, why don't you start it off?
0: Okay, well, I would like to uh, pimp a comic that I'm reading and loving a lot called WYSIWYG. Uh, the second issue just came out. It's, um, my friend Ed Pisker. Uh, who draws it and writes it. It's uh, an an indie comic he uh, self-publishes. And it's about the uh, early days of uh, computer hacking, uh, like back with the TRS-80s and the uh, Amiga's 2E days, um, when, you know, you could get a whistle from a box of Captain Crunch and blow it over the phone line and get free long distance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's really interesting. It's, it's like the, a weird secret history that really hasn't been delved in before. And uh, Ed's got like a really clean art style. It's, it's, he's done work on American Splendor uh, with Harvey P. Carr uh, for Vertigo and some other stuff. And he has just a very, it's almost like art crumb, but a lot cleaner and a lot less cluttered, you know, like panelism and stuff. But uh, the story is hilarious. It follows this kid named uh, Kevin and his friend who uh, are learning along, you know, as the technology happens uh, to, uh, to hack into, like, BBSs and uh, using dial-up modems, using uh, uh, phone freaking, which was, uh, you know, using pay phones to get free long distance, blind dialing, and, you know, it's, it's really just fun and kind of uh, this, like, secret history uh, story. It's a good break from, like, all the you know, secret final invasion crisis tie-ins. And I, I heartily recommend it. It's available at his website, uh, www.edpisker.com. And I'll put a, uh, a link to that on the forums as well. He just finished the second issue in which Kevin gets his uh, very own TRS-80 with the, uh, the dial-in modem. that she actually put, had to put the handset of the phone yeah, into, yeah. you know, the really Body old style. One. Exactly, yeah. And uh, he learns how to war dial. He learns how to do uh, bootleg copies of computer games uh, like Zork, <laughs> <Nice>. and <laughs> nice uh, it's it's really uh, it's really cool and fun. And if you're around at the early days of you know computer, you know home computers and uh, and whatnot, you really I think you really enjoy it and get a kick out of it. It's really cool. It's called WYSIWYG. Uh, volume Two just came out, and again, it's available at his website, uh, EdPisker dot com. doesn't that stand for?
3: Isn't that old computer lingo what for you what see? you see
0: is what? Is what you get.
3: That's it. That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
3: Well, that's back a in the
2: days before before Windows, when you you know the first that was a big feature on word processors and and spreadsheets and stuff to actually be able to to look at a screen and and see what's going to come out of the printer on the screen as opposed to having like the old school um, Word Star and and Word Perfect where you had to punch in the codes for bolding and italic- italicizing and paragraph indents and all that crazy kind of stuff and pray that you know, when you hit the print button, it would actually come out looking like you thought it would.
3: So. Well, let me ask you this Will his main character be able to fix Vista,
0: or is that pretty much out of the question? Uh. Maybe like WYSIWYG number 75 or something. <laughs> this is like, this hey, is really you, the early stuff.
2: Didn't you guys hear what the fix for Vista is?
0: Windows 7? Huh? Seven?
2: Seven? Windows
0: 7. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heck of a patch. Now, oh, Adam's called Mojave.
4: Adam's a little bit younger. A lot younger than the rest of us, so he probably never had like a Commodore or an Atari computer.
3: Oh yes, I did. When oh, I was, you did? Yeah, when I was four, we had a <laughs> we had a I Commodore sixty four. was four. Was four. <laughs> yeah, we and um, I had uh, which it Who framed Roger Rabbit? That was the only game, and I couldn't even get past the first level. Yeah, but did you have the cassette player to uh, save your game? Oh, yeah. I, I can't. I couldn't tell you that. Anyway, tape go ahead, drive.
1: Man. Tape drive. Did you guys
2: ever played the old Ghostbusters game on the Commodore sixty four?
1: It's ringing
4: a bell. I probably it did. took
2: five minutes to load on
3: disk. Yep. Oh my god! Did you get nice.
0: those <laughs> I still it. one of my favorite video games of all time is the um, Infocom uh, version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the text based. Oh, yeah, that was a uh, text based game. game. That game was not only like hilarious but very fun as well. I still me, remember.
1: It took me forever to figure for out. Day. It took me forever to figure out that I had to put all of my belongings in the thing that my aunt gave me that you couldn't get rid of before you had to, before you went splatted with the whale, because that was the only way you got to keep all your stuff. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> Spoiler alert, hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jim, did you have another uh, another comic, or was that... That's, uh, that's pretty much... I don't buy a lot of monthlies. So I'm pretty much wait for the trade guy, so I just wanted... Ed is a great guy, and he's very talented, and the comic is great, and uh, the second issue just came out, so I definitely wanted to pimp him, so... Awesome. That's all I've got. That's all so, I've got this time.
2: Is it a limited series, or is it an ongoing kind of thing, or is it just you know when he when he's done he's done?
0: It's ongoing. He's been kind of keeping a quarterly schedule, um, but each issue is, is a hefty like sixty four pages. It's, it's oh nice. you no, know, there's a lot going on. You know he waits until he has quite a bit together before he puts one out. And it's it's really funny. And like I said, if you have any fond memories of the early days of home computing then you're going to totally get this, and you're just going to smile and, oh, I did that, or, oh, I had that, or... So, you'll enjoy it. Definitely. Mr. Umek, what do you got?
3: Okay, I am reading a comic right now. It's pretty awesome. It's called Superman. Have any of you guys ever heard of this? (laughs) Vaguely. Okay. You mean (laughs) Uberman? There's this guy whose parents send him on a spaceship to leave his home planet because it's going to blow up, all right? And he gets to Earth, and he's raised by an Earthling family, like Hyperion. Well, now, yeah, I was going to so, say this okay, sounds like it a gets, Hyperion ripoff. It gets better, all right, because he gets these superpowers because of the Earth sun that it, it meshes with his Kryptonian, uh, you know, skin cells or whatever. Hey, anyway, seriously, uh, the Brainiac arc just ended for the Superman titles, and bringing that to a close, the new Krypton stuff has just started, and I, I'm tired of this being an albatross around my neck from being a Superman fan, but my god, these books are, are getting really good, especially with James Robinson um, added to the super titles when uh, doing Superman, and Jeff Johns doing action, You know, and uh, of course everything with uh, Jamal that he's doing over on the Supergirl title, and I'm no longer you know frustrated with a monthly Superman comic, Things are starting to come together, just like, well, Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core did after the relaunch, you know, what, four years ago or whatever already. So um, it's 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 pretty amazing. Are you guys reading the new Krypton stuff? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I, I
4: started buying it. I haven't read them yet, but I did start buying them. But can you guarantee me that Zod will show up? Oh, totally.
3: Oh, there is no question that Zod's going to be back.
1: Yeah, you get up The last who just came out, I think it was Action, had some... Uh, had some uh, some Zod uh,
3: references in it. You see this? Okay, and here's spoilers for February. Um, the solicits for February already have Monel coming back from the Phantom Zone. So whoa, uh, whoa, whoa what? Like leaving the Phantom Zone? Uh, that's what it, this. It, that's just the solicits. It's not a spoiler. It's just what the solicits said. I can see him being a story. How
0: they have got a hundred thousand to work with right now. That's what I'm saying. When they bring out Monel too. Well, he's not Kryptonian, so. Oh right, he's a Daxamite. But, that's what, Daxamite. but
1: that's what I'm wondering. I mean he I mean this is this is ancient history as far as like continuity goes, so this is, shouldn't be a spoiler, but he doesn't get cured until the Legion gets a hold of him. So how he can't he how's right. he gonna leave? He he shouldn't be leaving yeah. the Phantom Zone. He can be in the story like he was during uh the last sun. Well, Legion Three Worlds. That's, that's not done yet. That's still in the future though. That's not still that's not happening in present day. That's happening in the in the thir, in the thirty first century.
2: Yeah, I think that's the whole mystery: is is how how is he allowed out, or you know what's what's the deal with him? Maybe they keep him in the old. Remember the old Superman lead suit? Or no, that would be that would be kind of pointless with that because that would make it worse. Yeah. Maybe there's like some sort of anti-lead suit that he stays in. I'm I'm of two minds on the on the Superman thing right now. I loved Burns' revamp, and I loved how he took it down to a more simple. Superman universe, where there wasn't, you know, a billion Kryptonians running around, and every time you turn around, there was, you know, it kind of went away from the whole Silver Age thing, and and set everything up. But the way Johns is writing right now is so good that it's hard to not like it. It's it's almost like I can I can just kind of put in the back of my mind the fact that um, the Brainiacs we've seen in the past haven't been the real quote unquote real Brainiacs that you know, the Candors the we've seen or the Candor we we saw in the past where Superman went into Candor for a while when he lost his memory and stuff isn't the real Candor. This is now the real Candor. I, I mean it's a little contrived the way they're handling it, but the, the so far I've read the first two two parts to the the, the new Krypton and it, it, it's just it is very well done and I'm 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 very interested to see where they where they go with it. I don't think it's gonna last um, long term. Because then it just makes Superman almost irrelevant if he's no longer you know as unique and and you know, special as he was. So it ought to be interesting to see you know how long this thing runs and and and, and where they go with it.
1: Yeah, I really well, be- I really believe that that this is going to be self-contained into the New Krypton. I can't believe
3: that we're, there's going to be
1: additional Kryptonians or even on Earth at the end of this.
3: Well, wait, wait, wait. Because this is, this whole this has been two months of Superman in action and stuff already. Okay. Uh, when the special started and Brainiac ended, this is all leading to summer 2010. Yeah, they they've pretty much said that this is they're gonna be around for at least 2010.
1: No, really? No. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm not so, I'm
3: not actually excited by that then anymore. But this could be the next, you know, blackest night, though, Ken. You know, I mean, that's this is you know pretty big time. I think. My I think I, I mentioned this. I forget uh, when we did our
2: one the one the episodes we we did in the past my um my theory is and this is total speculation is there's gonna be something that happens to all these Kryptonians that are from candor that that they can't be away from candor for too long or they can't live outside of candor or something to that effect, and they all have to go back to candor and be shrunk back down like they were because they can't survive out of it there's something there's something in that in that environment that's that's bound them to it. Um, and I think that's kind of how they'll get out of it, and they'll go back to, you know, kind of in the Silver Age where you know they'll
3: have adventures in Candor sporadically. But that's and people, that's my people, here. people forget too that there's a whole planet of Bizarros now since the Eric Powell stuff that happened too. I mean, there's a whole planet of Bizarros out there, and I, <laughs> I seem to think that they'll have something to do with it. Plus, um, the solicits for January Spaces of Evil it looks like. Um, Parasite and Metallo are going to get some game time too, and I mean Metallo can—I mean he's like a one—a one-man uh, Kryptonian shopwrecker because he has all the new um, types of Kryptonite installed into him.
1: I think I saw too. something that had um, something with with, uh, with a Bizarro uh, angle to it for part of this, so I'm, I'm, I have no doubt we'll see Bizarro as part of this.
3: But uh, but John, at the very least, Grod- uh, Grodd uh, Zod is definitely in, so yeah, I'm I am checking it
4: out. I'm behind, but I've I've been buying the issues. Let me, let me ask you guys this, and I could be way off because, again, I haven't read it yet. This sounds similar to what's going on in Thor right now with all the Asgardians now being released. Is it kind of the same? Like now all of a sudden there's all these new threats mm.
1: that have equal power to him? Maybe. It's a little early to say uh, on that end if it's going to play out similar to that. But in base concept, yeah, it's, it's similar. Action Comics 873. The, uh, the new Crescent finale. It's got Bizarro on the cover. Huh. Sweet.
2: Yeah, I, I guess at least from the, from the Asgardian perspective, I guess that at least has some precedent in recent time. You know, the only thing, the thing that, that's still, I'm trying to, you know, wait and see how it plays out is you have 100,000 Kryptonians running around, and, you know, law of averages says there's only going to be a certain percentage of them that are, um, you know, quote, good. So it would be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. And like I said, my you know my fear is just you know the one thing about Superman is he's you know this unique you know as far as his power and his you know you know capacity for good and all that, and if you have a hundred thousand more, um even if a small percentage of him have high moral character and you know that that same kind of upbringing and, and sense of good in them, um even you know one percent or half of one percent, you're still talking about quite a few people roaming around that have the power of Superman and his, you know, also his, you know, philosophy.
1: So, well, here's one thing you can, here's one thing you say about that. You've got a hundred thousand Kryptonians and not one of them was raised by Jonathan and Martha Kent. So that's enough to tell you what, what their mentalities
0: and what their values are.
3: And also there's Perfect. only one Lex Luthor. And I think we know who's going to be killing them all. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. All, I, all I can say about this is I like Jeff Johns. I like James Robinson. I'll probably read the trade.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is, you know, is, is is whatever issues I have as far as how they got to where they are, so far you know I haven't been disappointed with John's writing. I mean, just across the board. I mean, I, I haven't read anything from him whether it's Superman or you know Green Lantern or you know whatever where I've just kind of really been down on it. So you know I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and and stick with it. And so far I haven't been disappointed.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, James Raw, I'm one of my favorite uh, series of all time was uh, Starman. So uh, yes, I'm a huge yeah. Robinson fan. Nice, yeah. So uh, I'll be interested to see the trade when they finally get it together.
3: Is that it, Adam, for comics? Uh, I have one more, and this is a, a real quick because there's not much to say about it. I, I, it's, I'm only up to page nine in this comic, but that's because I'm actually writing it myself. Nice. Um, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the best ever. Buy it now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> is, it, is it an old
3: boy comic? Oh, God. No. Oh, um, no. I talked to Sean Pryor. I talked to Sean about, what, I think uh, about a month before Super Show, and um, I was like, well, okay, I have the writing bug, I need to to write a comic, and, (laughs) you know, through, you know, over a month's time, we had more or less plotted out, you know, the ins and outs of how to put it together, and I don't have a title for it yet, I don't even have my characters' names yet, in in all honesty, but, um, and this is the best way I can explain it, and I don't I'm only using the association thing, not that it's as good, but um, think of Batman Year One as far as, like, an origin story, plus Invincible as far as, like, writing style and sensibility, and simplicity, I think, and it's going to be more or less a Year One slash Invincible story of, um, of a villain. Cool. And it's going to um, take place in the PKD universe. Brad and Frank are not in this comic yet. Um, <laughs> But I'm really enthused about it. And, you know, Sean really has his act together. Um, Dave Wanch has offered to help with laying out sequentials. Um, we're trying to lock down an artist right now. So, Big Jim, if you're listening, Sean's going to be giving you a phone call here uh, pretty soon so we can set up a Skype conversation. And um, Dan's offered to color it. And um, if any of you guys know a good letterer, uh, let me know. So that, this is um, our goal for, for this book is for it to debut at the Pittsburgh show. Yeah, in 2010.
1: Expert. Oh, wow. I was gonna to so say that's, is, that's pretty quick turnaround. Over
3: a year away. <laughs> that's pretty but, quick you know, It's, it's going to be a 72 page straight instead of issues, and I, I think we're gonna probably look um, intercontinental for getting this printed too, so we can get you know costs down. And you know we're not, we are not, you know my goal is not to make money. I'm basically doing this for guys in the forums and everybody that listens to the show and stuff. So I, I'm looking very much forward to it. I know I decided to have a title and stuff, but I do have all 72 pages plotted out. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's taking a while. My goal is to do two pages every day. If I can do that, then I'll hit my New Year's Eve uh, deadline. <laughs> 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 that I'm either going to, you know, have a glass of champagne or load a gun uh, if I have this thing finished or not. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: hey, man, if you need any flowery language for any scenes, you know, let me know.
3: <laughs> I will. Do or that, is it? But, or is it all ages? <laughs> uh, it's, it's all ages, but um, I actually have. Tough. You know, you guys. Actually, Jim, there's a scene with uh, your restaurant and all all kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of like. Oh, um, nice. I, I I mean, I know which Easter eggs I want. I just haven't put them in yet. You know. Sounds cool. So um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I just have to you know keep on it. So enough about me. Well, good luck with that, man. This sounds great. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And plus the trade it's a lot easier than, you know. But uh I guess the overall goal is to have three trades. Cool. Nice. So this is a multi-year project. Awesome. So Good stuff. I'll sign your copy, John, but I'll charge you.
4: Yeah, I just I heard Easter egg and I know that means mullet. Wow. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs>
4: All right. So um I have three comics. Real quick, I, I planned on two, and then this other one jumped out at me really late. So I'm just going to run through a couple fast. I picked up Gigantic. It's a Dark Horse book by Rick. Is it Remender or Remender? Remender.
3: Ah, oh, I love that book. I posted about that earlier this week. Yeah, I,
4: I saw that, and um, that's kind of what brought me, uh, you know, around to uh, to wanting to talk about it. If I don't know if any of you guys read uh, Fear Agent, yes. which is it's pretty much where I got all my exposure to Remender, and um, it, it's the same type of stuff, only he brought it to Earth. Like, it's giant robots and crazy old-school science fiction stuff, <laughs> That, but instead of it being out in space, like in Fear Agent and on spaceships and different planets, he brought it to Earth. And there is a giant robot, hence the name Gigantic, and that's pretty much what everybody says when they, ah, it's Gigantic. And uh, it's really good, like, tongue-in-cheek, really fun comic book stuff. O- a lot of fun. And the art is awesome. Um, the book looks great. I'm looking for the name of the artist right now. And I didn't write it
3: down. But um looks really
4: good. Issue 1 came out.
3: Tell them about the hook. Like, why, you know what I mean? Like, okay. the last couple pages. I don't uh, think, I mean, it's a first issue, so, like, this will get you hooked, though.
4: What it is, basically, is the Earth was created... Uh, whenever it was created thousands of years ago, by an alien race to be a television show. <laughs> so the, the Earth is a reality TV show. And they created us purposely with all of the great faults that we have because that would be the most fun to watch. Nice. Um, so as we destroy ourselves slowly, <laughs> you know, they're all watching. And somebody escapes to the Earth from the alien life and it's a huge gigantic robot and there is much damage and mayhem ensues and um, so that was really cool. My second choice was actually a big surprise to me. Um, I was in the comic shop which I am not very often but I had some time to kill and uh, I picked up Gears of War number one. Yes, it is the comic book based on the video game which I figured it would be bad you know, I can't think of really a video game comic that I enjoyed. But um, the Gears of War art in the game is—it has always been really cool to me. It's like it's got those dark charcoal grays. Like the ground is gray, the buildings are gray, the aliens are gray. And then there's just splattered bright red blood whenever there's conflict. And it's just always like a cool-looking um, scenario. So I figured the book would have some good art in it. And uh, the art was really good. And the story actually surprised me. They went with, like, a war story. They, they let you get to know a couple of the... I haven't played the game in a while. Are they, like, colonial marines? They're, like, space marines or... Um, yeah, so they, they let you get to know a couple of those guys, and there's, like, a rookie who's really scared, and there's, like, a big war hero guy, and the dynamic between them and their friends are getting killed, and it was actually a, a really good story. I was, I was shocked. It's a wild storm book, so I guess it's got a shot at being pretty decent. And thirdly... This one blew my socks off. Did any, did anybody pick up the Kevin Smith Batman? Cat Company? No, I'm, not,
1: I'm not. reading that until he finishes Daredevil Bullseye. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
3: but you're not reading it then. Um,
0: yeah, I guess you're not reading it then, huh? I, I'm I don't looking wanna, at
3: it right now. I haven't read it yet. I don't want to. I
1: don't want
4: to spoil the book. But this one, however, it got past like the comics code, or like somebody was asleep at DC, <laughs> or maybe they just said. We want Kevin Smith to do a Batman book, so we're going to let him do what he wants. But there's some wild stuff in this book. and uh, (laughs) It's it's Joker stuff, and I think this has been delayed a few times, right? Does anybody know? No, I think this is... No. 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 Not yet. Okay. It's been kind of like... It's um... only issue
1: one. We'll find out when issue two comes out sometime next year.
4: Right. (laughs) Because it struck me as something that they would want to come out along with the Dark Knight because it was real crazy joker stuff and i mean somebody gets shot point blank between the eyes and there's like another scene with the joker that we couldn't even say on our show <laughs> without having to edit it out so um i highly it's recommend that one
2: it's interesting too cuz the art on that is by Walt Flanagan who's like a big you know he's he he was in clerks he's you know he's been in a few of the kevin smith movies and he's like one of his you know, Jersey buds or whatever. So
0: I thought. Yeah, that he, was runs, um, he runs. He runs Jane uh, Silent Bob's Secret Stash in West Bank. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. runs the store for uh, Kevin Smith.
3: Well, they first talked about this at uh, San Diego this year. And speaking of Kevin Smith movies, you guys know uh, Bruce in Colorado on the forums. Uh huh. Yeah. Bruce, yeah. They um, oh, yeah. are um, Bruce um Bruce won an auction. I think it was in San Diego for him to be in Clerks Two. Yep. Wow. And if you type um. If you type that into uh YouTube, uh like uh, you know, Bruce the Clerks two or whatever, <laughs> there's the clip of him uh in Clerks too. How crazy is that?
1: He's uh he's like the one guy's one the one kid's dad, he's like in the car yeah. in the drive thru I think or something like that. And they're hey, whistling,
4: you know. <laughs> who's the i I'm just wondering if this is the first appearance or it's probably just a guy that I've never seen. There's a a Batman villain that um he, he obviously kills families, it looks like, and he puts a notch in his skin every time he kills somebody. That's Mr. Zazz. Yeah, he's in, the, he's in the book, and he's He's named, got, like, it, all
3: these tally marks, right? Yeah. He yeah. was in Batman Begins, John. He was in, he he was was in, in Dark Knight. No. Oh. He was in Batman Begins when um, Scarecrow had him on the, wit- on the um, witness stand.
2: Yeah. Oh. He was the one testifying against him because he called him Mr. Zazz.
1: Yes, he did. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, the other guy from the pencil trick scene, not the guy who actually took down, but the guy who his his man.
0: I remember seeing the character for the first time in the like uh, like pre nightfall. Does that sound about right to you guys? Yep, yep. Like, yeah, it's yeah. about when he was introduced.
4: Yeah, I'm just trying to get a read on like if Kevin Smith is going out on a limb or if this is just the the way that it is with this character. But is he like a total psycho that like kills families in front of the kids and like? Yeah,
3: he's got like um, it's more or less like a. Obsessive compulsive thing for him to like count, you know what I mean, like kills and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Zaz was last seen in Gotham Underground. He had a fight with um, Matches Malone in Arkham. Okay, because they have Kevin
4: Smith has um, as kind of like the the beginning of the book. Batman uh, confronts him and. It's pretty bad. He beats him up pretty good, and then it gets into the Joker stuff. But uh, definitely, if anybody was on the fence, I would definitely check it out. And I never pick up miniseries; like I just wait for the trade or whatever. But I figured this would be interesting. It was Kevin Smith and all, and I'm glad I picked it up. And I'll probably finish it out. And that's it for me.
1: So we move to Ken. All right. I have. Uh, well, I spent my weekend getting caught up on Amazing Spider-Man. I had about I don't know ten issues to, to work my way through. And I'm kind of glad I actually had some of these uh, backed up. I the first set was a six a six issue storyline with art by uh, by John Romita Jr. Uh, his first time back on the main Spider-Man in a while. And for anybody who has been reading that because of uh, One More Day and Brand New Day and all that, um, this is still a great story to 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 read. With um, it's called New Ways to Die. It's uh, it's got the uh, uh, it, it Basically, is a, it's, a, it's Spider-Man Venom. You see the fate of, uh, of Eddie Brock is in there. I don't want to give too much away, but it's just a great story. There is one thing in there that, I don't know, have any of you guys been reading this or have any of you read this, this particular storyline? No, I thought about picking it up. No. no. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm really good. I'm probably going to get the trade anyway. There's a couple of, of, of lines of dialogue in there, only like one or two, but it suggests that Peter remembers or knows what he did with Mephisto. Which <laughs> until now, I thought the point was he wasn't going to know on a conscious level. He wasn't supposed to know any of that. Just just had this nagging sensation that like something was wrong or he, he's lost something. And it's interesting that in this in this book he uh, they write him in such a way that he remembers. Now that could either be a writing flaw or I'm wondering if maybe it's the beginnings of the spell starting to break down that he's remembering the stuff on a conscious level.
0: I'm sorry. The only Spider-Man I read anymore is Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, it's just. I just prefer it to the mainstream because I just they just mucked around so much now, especially with this whole "One More Day." Yeah, you
1: know, I can see that I can see sort of that's stuff, definitely being just, a cleaner, a cleaner story. Yeah, um, I just it's cannot, all one story.
0: You know, yeah, I just can't yeah.
1: see that as being that as being a Spider Man. I mean, they're nice, nice you know Elseworlds type of stories, but to me, they they don't count, and I can't get my head around them to to to, to want to read them.
0: That's just me. The whole the whole thing with Mephisto just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It just seems like something Peter wouldn't do, and it just, I don't know. I don't That's even fun. want to get it started. That's there fine. have been a million different podcasts oh, no, please, that have railed against it. No, I want to hear this.
1: <laughs> Again? <laughs> the, the other one I want to say is, right after that story ended, was um, number 574, and this is just a standalone one-shot issue. It's not even really about Spider-Man. It's about Flash Thompson, and its it's actually dedicated to the soldiers in Iraq. Um, it's about Flash's story of him being in Iraq as, I want to say, like a Marine or some part of the Armed Forces. Uh, really a good read. No matter what you think about Brand New Day and all that, you, you, I recommend everybody read that issue. 574 from Amazing Spider-Man. And finally, the last thing I want to bring up about that is, about Spider-Man in general, is I've always been more of a story guy than an archive. I mean, I, I love good artwork and I and I enjoy it, but I've never read anything where the artwork was so bad I couldn't make it through the story until I got to Spider-Man 575 uh, and 576. and That's a Hammerhead story with art by, um, I'm going to butcher his name, Chris um, bacello B-A-C-H-A-L-O. Yeah, bacello
2: was the big... Yeah, he... He has he, a lot of fans.
1: A, I'm sure did he, he did does... A- I just couldn't couldn't get it. I mean, spy, Peter looks like an old man. I didn't even realize it was Peter at first. And if he looks like an old man, you can't imagine what Aunt May looks like. It's uh, it's, it's, it's just cheaper. it's oh, it's it's I just couldn't I couldn't even read the whole thing. I skimmed to get the idea of the story and I moved on. So,
2: Charles wow. he he had a pretty good run. He started the whole Generation X run and then he had a big he had a run for a while on uh, X-Men him and Humberto Ramos. Right. Switched off, which was really bad for me because I. The problem with Bachalo is you can't figure out what in God's name is going on in the book. To me, it's very busy. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's very confused. His yep. art confuses. Me. Like it's hard. To, it's hard to maintain a good beat on the story when he does his art because it's very distracting. Even like and then. I-
1: some of, some of his panel layout, it's it's just like white space. It's breaking his panels up. There's no like clear borders or anything. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just the way he does it. It's it's not doing it for me. I mean, and then you get to five seventy seven, the most recent issue, which um, who oh, I can't even find the credit page from who who wrote that one uh, drew it. Oh god, Rivera. It looks great. It's got this like you know old school feeling to it. Especially, especially some of the closeups. Peter. My only real problem with that one is is the Punisher. He does not look like the Punisher that I always see in my mind. He looks like, almost like a, like an old drunken man, than than this soldier that
0: I would expect. Wasn't uh, Steve McNiven doing Spider-Man also uh, for a while there? Yeah, he was.
1: He, was, he was one of the, the teams. Like the teams rotate on this one. I think the six-issue oh. arc with uh, with Dan Slott writing and uh, John Romita Jr. on artwork is the longest single storyline. Uh, but I mean, it's been hot and cold. Uh, that that six story start six story arc with uh, or six issue arc with uh, uh, with Venom is probably the best storyline since this whole thing happened. But after we so that brought in the the anti Venom right. That that's right yeah yeah it's got the anti Venom in it. What's the deal with the anti
0: Venom? Um, how much do you want me to give away? Uh, how spoiler are you want uh, me to go? Don't you Mac me? Don't you Mac me? But <laughs> give me a, give me a general idea. Um,
1: he's he's a cancer patient who was. Uh, another character who's been part of the the overall storyline that's being that they're building up to, he basically touched him and somehow enhanced his antibodies, which were able to counteract the cancer in him. All right, I really can't explain oh, no. it. Cle- I can't explain it clearly without. Cool. So you know, it, I understand. it, no, it was. Enough. I'm going to give you who who this one a little bit, and sorry for it's a spoiler warning, but it's Eddie Brock. He's got he's dying of cancer. Well, the cancer is the remnants of venom. So these antibodies are enhanced now. Uh, They're attacking the, the venom. Well that's cool. the uh yeah. um the, the Thunderbolts are in it, so you've got you know Norman Osborn's coming is is in, in a big way along with the rest of the Thunderbolts, including um the Matt Gargan Venom now, who's currently currently the right. host for Venom. Well, when Venom attacks goes to, he's drawn to his former host thinking he's tracking Spider Man, he actually finds his way to Eddie. When he makes contact with him again, those same anti- antibodies kick in the gear, and he basically morphs into this, the anti-venom, and he starts trying to basically cure Gargan, who doesn't want to be cured. So, and, and, and that's like only in like the first two issues, I think, that, that they did that. There's still four issues with a the story there. So we didn't go near the, the actual resolution there. But with a Norman Osborn in front and center, you know, that's going to be fun for, for Spidey to deal with. Cool. Isn't he dead? He hasn't been dead for a while. That's not even a a one-more-day thing.
0: I'm I'm only kidding. (laughs) I'm only kidding.
1: (laughs) I think there's a reference in there about Harry having been dead before, too, though, is in here as well. And that's going to be addressed. I'm looking forward to number 600, where they're going to start to talk about what happened on the wedding day.
2: And then I think coming up, they're going to explain, too, what happened as to why nobody remembers his identity anymore. They're they're
1: they're they're going to cover all that. They're going to cover all that, I'm sure. I, I really believe 600 is going to be the beginning of the end of the Mephisto stuff. It's going to start to unravel, and it's going to start to get out of it. But we're talking about trades and reading stuff in trade. I'm thinking after my disappointment with those two issues and the artwork, I'm like, I'm not going to stick with this week to week. I'm just going to just start, for, for after almost 100 issues, I'm going to start buying Spider-Man in trade. Yeah,
2: That's a bold statement.
1: Yep. All right, Russ, why don't you give it a go?
2: Um, i got a couple things. One of them, um, I don't know if you guys have read any of the stuff that Red 5 has been putting out comic. I've
0: read Atomic uh, Robo, that's really cool.
2: Yeah, they they've got Atomic Robo. They've got a um a book called Abyss which is 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 interesting. It's kind of a a a take on um it's it's about a it's about a son whose father dies and he finds out he was like the world's greatest supervillain. And that was written by Kevin Rubio, the guy that did the old um Troops video way back in the day. Um so the, the pretty good and then Afterburn where a solar flare scorched half the Earth, and um, they're basically treasure hunters that go on that side of the the planet to to pick up artifacts and things like that. Um, there's a book called Neozoic, which is kind of like a magic, uh, myth, you know, dragons and and sorcery kind of kind of book. is pretty good. But their most recent book, and uh, all these books, by the way, are just for two ninety nine books. And, and this has been talked about a lot. I know a lot of other podcasts have talked about it as well. But it's definitely worth mentioning again. Is, for $2.99 books, their quality is exceptional. Um, the fact that they're able to charge $2.99 for a book and have um, their, their, their cover is almost, it's not quite card stock, but it's thicker than, you know, normal um, printed cover. The art is, is really solid. Um, it, it really reflects what book is going on. So the Atomic Robo is done in that almost kind of kiddie sort of cartoony style. Neozoic because it's kind of that fantasy, um, style has, has that, that look to it. So they really, the artists really capture the spirit of the book. But, uh, the most recent book they started was one, it's called ZMD, Zombies of Mass Destruction. Um, the first two issues are out and I picked them both up at, uh, Wizard World, Texas because my LCS has been out of it and they haven't been able to reorder it. Um, so Red 5 had a booth at Wizard World and so I was able to pick up issues one and two and read them. And it's, it's kind of a cool concept. It's basically, um you know with the war you know this this mainly deals with the war in Iraq but you know it could be insert your war here has kind of been dragging on it's getting a little unpopular um they're getting concerned about casualties so what the government decides to do is they're reanimating dead people air dropping them into war zone um and so basically zombies are fighting the war and so we're not having um, actual you know human casualties anymore and the zombies have either a four-hour lifespan or daylight whichever comes first they they turn to dust so the, so they're they're totally expendable um so the, the premise of the book is is one of the zombies um goes off the grid it's four hour time period is expired but the zombie's still alive and it's during the day so and he's still alive so so far um they get a retired army i think he said colonel or sergeant or something like that to go in and go after the zombie and kill it. So that's how the book ends. But um, Brad, and I, Br- Brad and I both picked this up at Wizard World Texas. And one, number two and, and if you guys, if anybody out there read it or if you guys end up reading it, I'd be interested to see what your feedback is on, on the forums. Um, there's a couple pages in there where it almost looks like there's dialogue just flat out missing and there's a uh, <laughs> you know where, where it tells you, like, you know, it'll say, like, Maryland, 2008, or, you know, like, Saudi Arabia, 2000, you know, whatever. There's, it's in the middle of a, of a sequence, of a, of a scene, basically, and the starting of the scene says, says Maryland, 2008, and you get halfway through the same scene, and there's a blurb at the, box, at the top that says Maryland, 2007. It totally doesn't, I mean, there's no difference in time. It's the same scene that's taken place. And that also is the page where it looks like there's three panels without dialogue, or without boxes, so it almost looks like they um, they had a bit of an editing gaffe there. But other than that, it's, it's it's a pretty good book. The art starts you know pretty. It's nothing um, incredible, but it's 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 not it's definitely not bad. It's 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 you know pretty solid. And, and it's written by uh, I guess it's Kevin Greedy is, is it grievous or Greivoy, however you say his name. He's the guy that wrote Underworld. Um, he was in he, he was in that movie as well. He's, he's got a couple writing credits under his belt um done some other writing, but he's he's a writer on this book, so um, like I said all their stuff that Red Five is, is really good quality. I'm hoping I'm hoping those guys can make it. Yes. The other um the other thing I've read that's kinda kinda grabbed my, my attention recently is Marvel nineteen eighty five. I don't know if you, any of you guys have been reading Marvel nineteen
4: eighty five. Yeah, I'm reading it.
2: Yeah. It's uh it's it's the art is, is a little strange. It's almost kinda like a painted style. Um but, you know, anything that takes place in the 80s, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over it. Um, and it's kind of an interesting concept where it, it takes place in a real world, you know, like our like what the equivalent to our world would be, and this little boy who reads comics and his father read comics and his dad's kind of a down-on-his-luck kind of guy. His parents are divorced. And he starts seeing Marvel villains kind of um, escaping into into his world. And then as the book progresses... More and more heroes and villains, um, mostly villains, start invading the world, and so the kid, um, you know, is trying to find a way to stop it. Um, and I won't, I won't spoil the ending in the book, but it basically ends um, with the possibility of it, of it, ty- of crossing into the mainstream Marvel universe. And apparently, the most recent, either the most recent solicits or the upcoming issues of Fantastic Four, it's it's written by Mark Miller, um, or Millar, I guess I already say it, Who's also writing Fantastic Four and writing Old Man Logan? Apparently, this book has some sort of crossover between Old Man Logan supposedly and and Fantastic Four, and and the one character at the end of the book actually shows up in Fantastic Four and some of the most recent issues. So it ought to be interesting how they how they tie it together. But but anybody that that's into '80s Marvel nostalgia, it's it's a pretty cool book. There's one issue, um, I think it's issue three, that has all the. Um, uh, the the quintessential eighties versions of a lot of the characters on the cover in that style. You've got the black suit Spider-Man, you've got, you know, short hair dazzler and, you know, the the Mohawk Storm and and
3: and all those characters on the on the cover. So it's it was kind of an interesting to read. Tommy Lee Edwards is such a great artist. I was yeah. first introduced to him when he did uh, let's see, five years ago he did a six part question mini series called Devils in the Details. That was coming out right around the time uh, Greenland and Rebirth was, and uh, wow, I I have never read, and I and I've read all the Ditko stuff, but that question mini series that he and Rick Veach did was unbelievable, unbelievable. I I love Tommy, and I met him at Baltimore uh, two years ago. I, I'd love to have him get a to get a sketch from him. He's uh, he's pretty phenomenal.
2: Yeah, his 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 representation of the Hulk in that book is really interesting. It's almost um, he draws him almost Neanderthalish. Um, if that's even a word, um, but it it, it, it I, it's it's been an interesting book. Um, it, it's a, it's definitely a different style than your regular you know monthly comic, um, you know. But but I think it was it was pretty fitting. It's
4: funny that you bring up the Hulk. That was like the one scene uh, that, that's sticking out in, in my head as as you're talking about the book is uh, you know when the, the kid and and maybe his father. I'm not sure. They're they're kind of like hiding in the woods as this stuff is going on and they're realizing that these are the actual heroes that have come into our world. And uh, I think the Hulk finds them in the woods, right? And the kid is, like, looking up at the Hulk. They just really nailed it. I mean, there's probably been, you know, in the history of the Hulk, you know, thousands of times, there's probably been little kids that have run into him and, like, looked up at him in awe. But just just having the story that that kid was in the regular world where there is no Hulk and then actually seeing him after, like, just reading the comics?
2: Yeah, it, it, it definitely, reading the book in that mindset definitely puts a new perspective on all this, because, you know, the kid is like, he'll look up at a house, and he'll see, like, you know, um, you know, like Loki peeking out the window, or, like, Claw peeking out the window, or, you know, he kind of, it's like, it, it's almost like the typical monster movie, where one character sees, you know, the, the big bad around every corner, and nobody else seems to see, to see it. Right. Um, so it's, it, it's all told from this kid's perspective. So for the first couple issues, um, everything is very, you know, behind the scenes. And then when we get into issue, I guess, into issue two and issue three, um, it all just kind of, kind of comes to a head and it, there's no question that, that people in, in this world are seeing all these villains and starting to feel the effects of it. So, uh, but it had a really cool, I was really skeptical of where they were going with it. Um, but it had a really solid ending. The ending was, was, was pretty cool. Um, how, how they, how they, where they went with it.
4: Stuff. All right, I think we're going to jump into a trade now, and we're going to send it back to Jim and, and uh, go back around.
0: Sounds good. Uh, I don't have a uh, trade technically, but this is a book that any uh, comic geek will love, cherish, and should have in their collection. I got it for my birthday a few weeks ago. It's uh, the title of it is uh, "Kirby: King of Comics" by uh, Mark Evanier. I guess that's how you'd say that. Um, and it's, a giant, it's a big uh, hardbound coffee table book, uh, tribute to Jack the King Kirby, and uh, it has uh, anecdotes about his life, a biography, and tons and tons of original art, uh, a lot of which I've never seen before, and I'm a big Kirby hat, uh, fan. Um, it has uh rough sketches of him, uh him being inked by different people like his earliest um you know um, newspaper strips and his uh from his early work with uh, Joe Simon on Captain America all the way through to the new gods at dc uh, there's some really cool fold out pages that are in full color uh it's just, it's such a great um like p- total package and uh if you're a fan of Kirby, i really recommend it cuz it's just a really great book Gorgeous.
3: Well, Evanier was uh, Kirby's assistant. I mean, pretty much when Mark right. got into comics, uh, way back when. I mean, he was that was what in the in the early early seventies. I mean, he was more or less Kirby's apprentice. You know, when he was working for uh, Disney,
0: right? Um, and he old, also old um, Disney comics, and then I know Evanier also uh, wrote his own comics in the eighties, uh, including uh, DN Agents mm-hmm. and a couple mm-hmm. others for Eclipse, if I remember correctly. Dan picked this up a couple months ago,
3: and I got to flip through it while we were driving home from Borders one day. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing uh, with all the content they have in there. I mean, I know we just talked about this two weeks ago, but this is definitely a lot like the um, Who Watches the Watchmen by Gibbons. But, I mean, it was definitely career-spending. I love the new, the Fourth World New Gods stuff from Kirby, so I definitely got my fill of Mr. Miracle and Barda and Dark Side
0: sketches uh, from Kirby. The book is just, um, like I said, it has everything from pencil roughs to uh, fully finished inked and colored art. uh, Stuff from when he was on Marvel. It has some of his most famous uh, covers from Fantastic Four. Some of his uh, uh, splash pages. There are pictures of him in his studio at work. uh, Character sketches he did for Thundar the Barbarian. uh, Monster comics he did for Marvel before they went with the superheroes. Uh, it's just a uh, really career-spanning book, and uh, if you're if you're a comics fan at all, I mean, just I mean the the influence Kirby has and continue had and continues to have over like all comics and just visual storytelling in general. I mean, it's, it's really uh, the book is beautiful, and uh, it was one of the best gifts I got for my birthday, for sure. It's it's great. Um, the only other trade I've been reading right now, I've been catching up with The Walking Dead. Uh, I am about up to issue 20, I think, and uh, it's one of those things that that has been recommended to me many, many times, and I'm finally getting around to reading it. So uh, the only thing I'll say about The Walking Dead, no spoilers or anything, I'll just say don't get attached to uh, the characters too much, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. anyone pretty much, so I'm I'm forty-eight. Okay. (laughs)
3: Did you see the solicits
4: for 54. I have to wait like months, even years between reading the uh, wow. hardcovers, but the hardcovers are so nice. I don't want to like go floppies and go trades and then triple
3: dip. Now, I have volume 4 hardcover already ordered, and I was actually looking this up a second ago. They have Invincible Volume 4 on Amazon listed as coming out August the 20th, but I have not seen hide nor hair of that anywhere. Have they solicited Invincible for? I know they yeah have, they I'm did they for. they
4: definitely did.
3: All right, Adam, you're up. Trades, trades. I'm looking at my shelf right now. I haven't really gotten any trades. I mean, I've lately. I, I did go back and get a couple um, graphic novels, though. I started to reread Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Um, Art was actually in DC two weeks ago, but um, I had some school stuff. I had to do on that Friday, so I couldn't go down and try to get a sketch from him or anything in DC. Um, Miles, of course, um, you know, critically acclaimed from um, you know, I mean, the story Spiegelman told of his father's experience um, in pre World War II Europe and through the Holocaust to coming to America is pretty amazing, and I, it's it's the kind of it's it's the right kind of book I need right now because I'm a little superheroed out with all the writing and the reading and the to-read pile and everything else, so um, I'd I definitely like to do this for a maxi-series down the road if any of you guys are interested in it. Have you guys uh, read Miles before? I haven't, no. I have. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty nice. I, I It's such a sentimental story, but at the same time, definitely unflinching and unforgiving as far as you know, how he presents his father's attitude and the um, prejudices that even a Holocaust survivor has in modern day, well, back in the 80s, modern America, postmodern modern America. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and um, there's plenty of different formats to get it in. I Instead of getting the two-pack uh, trades, I just sprung for the, it was like another five bucks, and I got the hardcover of Miles, so... It was it's an uh, interesting
0: fact about Art Spiegelman, uh he made money uh, as an artist coming up drawing uh, the wacky packages. Do you remember those? That might have before your time, Adam. Uh, uh, the stickers that made fun of uh consumer items. He got to start doing that uh as a cartoonist before he uh, in, uh wrote mouse. What's a wacky package?
4: Kind of like a garbage pail kid. Okay. Only right? It was ads that they made exactly. fun of like
3: uh right.
2: yeah, instead of instead of tied it would be like, you know I don't know, tire or something, you know, and it would have some sort of um, crazy advertising, you know, gag on it, or
3: or you know, spearmint gum, and it would be like a real spear, you know, or something. <laughs> stuff right. like that. And um, I also picked up uh, his latest one, which was Portrait of the Artist as a Young <laughs> Expletive, <laughs> which is pretty awesome too. It's an oversized um, tabloid, I guess, tabloid sized book that's more of the same, like uh, the in the Shadow of No Towers that came out right after. Uh, the 9/11 tragedy. So check those out. Cool. I grabbed
4: Northlanders Volume One from Vertigo Comics. It is called Sven the Returned, and it's a Viking. It's a Viking story, a Norse story, which I've really been into lately, probably because of all the Thor stuff and everything. And it just really rocks. And it's eight issues. It's the first eight issues of the book the cover is 9.99 um i think on dcbs or heroes corner i think it was like 6 or 7 bucks when it was uh, mm-hmm. solicited and you get 8 issues in it and if you like you know huge axes and swords and blood and topless women and blood you know this is this is the book altogether <laughs> yeah that's,
0: and uh, that's just
3: the opening page <laughs> exactly and,
4: um, is this the
0: same guy that wrote uh, DMZ? The same Brian yes, Brian Wood, Brian Woods, yep. yep. The demo's pretty good, too. And um, the art is Davide Gianfellis, who I've
4: never heard of, and I've been scouring. I don't, I don't have a lot of original art at all, and I've been scouring the internet trying to find a page from this book because there's just some great, great stuff.
3: I want to take a wild guess and say it's prob- he's probably overseas in Europe or South America.
4: Yeah, I found I had to translate his web page, and I did try emailing, and I don't think it went well. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my eyes open. But uh, it was just a really good book. Like Adam said, you know, if you're a little bit superheroed out, you know, they're just swinging big weapons and chopping off heads and stuff. And it was a good story about a uh, you know the prince who left his uh... village or whatever you would call it and he has the you know it's his right to be the ruler of it and uh... the uncle takes over while he's gone and kills the father kind of like a lion king it's like hamlet yeah hamlet lion king and uh... sven comes back and chops everybody's head off
3: hey speaking of hamlet have you guys seen uh... the new fx series uh... sons of anarchy the motorcycle gang show with ron perlman I watched it like once Dan is big into that right I've heard Dan mention that a few times do you know that that's the that is literally a lift from the play of Hamlet really the entire the entirety of its well not maybe not script, but the entirety of the story arc for the first season is a uh, is an entire lift from Hamlet wow, which is kind of weird i've been I've been fX crazy lately we'll talk about that when we get to dVds but and the thing and John and you gotta and, and pipe in here because I liked this because Sven, the return, he's not a hero. Uh, he is a son of a gun. Yep. Uh, and there is, there is <laughs> I like nothing about him. I think he is uh, just a complete entitled maniac with uh, bloodlust of or equal to anybody who plays World of Warcraft. And this thing is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it is nuts. So uh, buy it. It's $10. bucks. do not be cheap.
4: Yeah, really. For eight for eight issues, I mean, if you never, I don't know where they're going with the series from here. If it'll be different characters in the yep. same world, like that type of thing, but you can pick this up, read it, and never, you know, you're not attached to anything. You just got a uh, kick butt Viking story. Um, this
3: is this is the equivalent of a good first date. If you buy it, you know what I mean. Like it's like, wow, I didn't see this coming. This is great. Let's do this again sometime. because yeah, yeah. this was really really good.
4: Definitely. You know what, um, Adam? I wanted to mention to you because I guess you're the only other one that, that read it. What did you think of the dialogue that Wood did? How how he kind of he kind of took modern dialogue and just threw it in in this time period like it belonged. Right. Did you get that vibe? Like they're well, talking about their girlfriends and <laughs> f this and f that, and it didn't really seem to fit in.
3: I didn't think it fit in anyway, but you know why it made sense to me. And I had and uh, David D on the forums had posted this earlier. This was the equivalent of watching Deadwood on HBO, right? Because you know <laughs> you don't think of uh, you know the whole cowboys and Indians cliche being you know geez, as bad as you are, John. But um, I was okay with it because what can I, what can I stand about Thor? The thou mortals, blah blah blah. Like, oh, please, sh- ga- gag me, really gag right. me. Right? No, and yeah. I hate when because Wonder Woman can do that too with the whole Themyscira, you know, Amazon- Amazonian lingo. And I, you know what? I'll take this over. God, even in Ultimates, uh, Thor got a little annoying with the these and the thous. So that's okay with me. I mean, it certainly matches the tempo that the art sets and the sequential set. So um, this is me shaking my head in the green.
4: Right, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it, it took me maybe an issue or two to get used to it, and I might have, like, looked back at a few panels and said, you know, what did he just say, like that type of stuff, but then once it got you into the flow, you know, it really didn't matter. The words were just the backdrop anyway for the
3: blood. Scalped is like that, too, only, you know, scalped is in modern times. Right. All right, Ken, what do you got? Well, I just got a new trade
1: paperback that I got uh, just this last week on my in my box. It's a story that it's from like I don't know the early 2000s. It's uh, it's JLA Avengers, the uh, crossover between DC and Marvel, uh, authored by Kurt Busiek and uh, some of the best George Perez are we going to see? It's really a it's a deep story. I mean, it's
0: it's an in-depth story. There's a lot to it, and it is so funny that you mentioned this because I finally got to read this for the first time. (laughs) like about a month ago, oh, yeah. I'm a, huge, I'm a huge Perez fan, huge Busiek fan, and a huge JLA and Avengers fan, and it, it was a mind blow. I just loved it, man, I, I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, this
1: what I love, I mean, I've read it before, I had the issues, I had the individual issues that I didn't buy when they came out, I read them later on, it's funny, um, back when I first started getting the comics, I started to read uh, JLA as one of the couple of tiles I was picking up, because it was a teen book, I wanted to read it. And it was right around um, after the, the Pain of the Gods story arc, like 101 through 106 or so. But then there's an arc right after that that I'm reading it and it's referring to some different things um, and, and that I didn't really know what happened. Because like, I'm like, fine, I haven't read reading the past or stuff, I don't know, but let me just read the story they're giving me. Fast forward a year or so later when I read JLA Avengers and I'm like, wait a minute, as I'm reading that, I'm, I grab this my JLA books and I'm like, that's when it clicked. This JLA Avengers story is is in continuity on the DC side at least. You know
3: everything that yeah, happened in here. thing too. What's that? Because uh, well, well, I mean, and the the thing with JLA Avengers is the big bad is Crona. Yep. And I mean, Trinity's, tw- tw- Trinity's what? Twenty five issues in at this point. Right. Um, Krona's the big bad in Trinity as well, or yes. so it seems. Well, he is, he
1: is, and, and, and Trinity's also a You So, you see, when, you, you see Crona in issue one. You don't know yeah. it's him, but he's in there, there in issue one. Issue seven, you're seeing the results of, you're seeing the, the, the end of uh, JLA Avengers in issue seven.
3: Right. Because you can see, th- well, you can't, it's not official, but whenever um, Crona's trapped in the cosmic egg in Trinity, you can see like, when what was it, a flashback? Because you you burned through all those lately, Ken. It, uh, through a flashback, you can more or less make out Cap and Thor.
1: Well, let me let me tell you about that page exactly because that was that the scene I think you're thinking of is from the backup story from number seven.
3: That, and you saw that
1: from Derenic, right? There it is. That's what I was going. That I was at Free Comic Book Day and uh, Tom Darenick did that particular backup, and he he's a local guy by me, and he was at my LCS for Free Comic Book Day, and he had some pages, and some of them were in Trinity. And so while he's doing some sketches, I'm waiting for my sketch. I'm flipping through them. And and, and uh, he has a bunch of countdown pages, which are nice. And I'm seeing these aren't the the pages are actually, the real pages are at DC. He has photocopies back of these right now. And in fact, I'm waiting for him to get his pages back because he knows I want this page. I'm looking and I'm seeing, I'm seeing the, the, the thing from JLA Avengers. And I'm like, I look at him like, Tom, is that what I think it is? And he's kind of nodded. Yeah, it is. And I'm just like, that's exciting. He goes to tell me tell me that story about how they want to refer directly to JLA Avengers, but they can't use their likenesses. So he has there's a couple figures like in profile and shadow that they're meant to be the they're meant to be the Avengers, along with Superman, Batman, and uh, Wonder Woman. There's also the Avengers uh, in this one scene. And, and what the,
4: issue of Trinity is that? Number I'm seven.
1: I'm gonna check that out. I'm not reading Trinity, but I, I'd like to see that. Yeah, and it's—I uh, mean—it's definitely the dialogue that refers to it. You know, um, how it was um, in Trinity. The story is um, uh, John Stewart's telling uh, Firestorm the story of Krona and one of the things is they talk about there was a merger of worlds where Crona was contained to, so he can then see the birth of the universe, and it was witnessed by by the by Justice League and others. Meaning meaning the
4: Avengers. The Avengers.
1: So, but yeah, when I read that story in JLA and I went back the second time and I'm realizing what this, what this thing is, it's this cosmic A, what this is from. And when I realized that this story was in continuity, it just took on, it blew my mind because I'm thinking, oh, it's a nice Elseworld. It's a nice, you know, out of continuity story, bring the two together, but the fact that one, at least, one of the companies is saying, "Yeah, it happened." That that's just really cool to me because I love having the continuity. I love having the full world that what happens in one book can impact not only the same title but other titles around it. At least, in, even in subtle ways, I think that's great. And, and this is just such a a world span event that they're able to, to pull back to it. And I've been waiting for somebody to pick up on on Corona, and that's what that's why I'm sticking with Trinity. To, degree I, to the degree I am.
3: Nobody's really had, you know, huge complaints about Trinity other than the first, I guess, fight scene was a little, maybe a little long in the tooth, you know, but um, yeah, and, I, I'm, I'm definitely going
1: to get the trades. The one thing a lot of people didn't realize with Trinity or didn't quite get their head around was the idea of those backup stories because you think, okay, you got the Trinity, then you got this backup, which you think, at least in those first issues, doesn't have anything to do with it, but it's all the same story. Everything's coming, tying together. And by the time you got like maybe 15 issues in or so, it starts to more apparent how things are all tying together. Um, that's one of the things Tom told me early on was it's one story. Everything ties in together. It's one story. Uh, it's not this plus something else. So that's it. JL Avengers. That's my trade for the, for this time around.
2: Cool deal. Russ. Um, I got a few things. I, uh, one one of the the good deals I got at Wizard World Texas was I, I I I got the ultimate the Ultimates two oversized hardcover originally when they solicited it but I didn't have the Ultimates one I I've read it but I just didn't have it in the oversized hardcover to match my number two so
3: that's was blasphemy.
2: Get, yeah yeah exactly I got uh, Ultimates one oversized hardcover for twelve bucks at Wizard World Texas in the shrink wrap so sweet that was my my trade steal. And um, so, of course, I've, I've, I've been waiting to tear that up again because just seeing that in the oversized pages is really awesome. Um, I had a, a light, D, you know, in quote light, or, a DCBS order a couple months back. And uh, so I, I ended up picking up a, a bunch of uh, hardcovers that, you know, for stories he did that I'd read a long time ago or didn't, you know, the, the original issues are too expensive. So I picked up the, uh, the Claremont Miller Wolverine limited series. Um, in hard in the uh, in the the hardcover format. Cool. Uh, so it's been a long time since I read that. And then the Kitty Pride, and Wolverine um, limited series two. That was a six issue limited, and I don't I don't have any original issues for that. So that was cool to get that in, in kind of a hardcover to, to to read that. The the other one I got was, and this to me is like the quintessential X Men. Kind of on a theme here, but. Um, the quintessential '80s X-Men story is the. I got the hardcover for the X-Men: God Loves, Man Kills. I don't know if you guys ever read that. That originally, it was originally Marvel's graphic
0: novel number five. Oh yeah, it's a total classic. The, yeah. Um, Plus, they borrowed stuff from that for the first the X-Men the whole bit with the, um, the the mutator or whatnot in the the stadium. Yeah,
2: the, yeah. For X two, the whole in, in X two, William Stryker was. You know, a, a a military guy, and um, in in God loves man kills, he's a he's a reverend, and basically, you know, preaching anti mutant sentiment and how it's an abomination and um, all that kind of stuff. It, it's it, this was this was probably maybe the second or third X Men story I ever read um, as a kid when I got into comics, um, and it's really interesting because it's a very adult. I would say the most adult X Men story I've probably um, read. To date, I mean, it starts out. It's very um, you, you, when it starts out that you could tell right away. I mean, it starts out and there's two kids that get two small children that get shot on a playground and um, basically hung up um, by the swing set. And Magneto comes and finds them um, and and kind of puts them at a, at a proper rest. Um, so it's it's really kind of a this was also the kind of the turning point, like in the '80s when when Magneto kind of went good. For a while, this was kind of the. Um, the story, for the most part, takes place in continuity. So it it was it was kind of interesting to see this is where it kind of turned for Magneto and 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 set things up in the future in the in the books to come where he wasn't such the evil person that that he'd been, um, and how that him and the X Men kind of see a little more eye to eye than they had in the past. Um, and this is a
0: new hardcover version of that one, it, of it God and us- kills
2: yeah it came out i'm trying to think um maybe about six months ago or so and i just didn't i didn't get a chance to order it when they when they originally um solicited it but um d c b s has you know when you i do the excel order form and uh they always have the back order stuff which is pretty much the whole in stock trades you know library um so i picked it up and it just it it originally was a sixty four page graphic novel but there's a lot of um originally i guess um Art Adams was supposed to be the, or not Art. Neil Adams was supposed to be the artist on it, um, and he tra- he did um, like six or eight pages of pencils. So they put those those six or eight pages in the back. There's a big interview with um, the artist is uh, Brent Anderson, Brent Eric Anderson. The art is really solid in, in this book. Um, it's 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 almost kind of like a painted, almost like maybe watercolor style. You know, it's it's not just your traditional. Um, you know, it doesn't look far off from what traditional, you know, sequentials look like and it's definitely not a you know, you know, what we've come to know as a painted style, but it's 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 something kinda of in between. Um
0: but just correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Brent Anderson also the um the artist on Astra City? I, I With don't uh, know. Kurt Busiek? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt uh, process.
2: No, 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 it's fine. No, I'm not sure um on that. But it, it's just a really, like I said, it's just a really solid X-Men story. Um, you know, it deals with a lot of issues of, you know, prejudice and, and hate and, you know, how things are. The language is pretty stark in it, even for an X-Men comic book, especially in the 80s. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just a really, really, really good story. If you guys haven't read it, I, I, I can't recommend it enough.
4: Okay, next we're going to do a little uh, media segment. We're going to have everybody go around and review some form of media, maybe a movie you've been to, TV show you're watching, video game, whatever you like. So, Jim, why don't you kick it off?
0: Okay, I have a couple things. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is, I don't know if you guys caught it the other day, uh, the brand new uh, Brave and the Bold cartoon? Yes. You guys checked that out the other morning? I'm I did it. It was the uh, the very first episode, I guess. It was uh, the Batman and Blue Beetle. Right. They're going to uh, they're going to uh, cycle in different DCU characters uh, each week, and they teased a whole bunch of characters in the beginning of the show, uh, like Plastic Man and Commande, and uh, what was it, the Bronze Tiger? I think I saw um what did you think of it john I, I thought it was very um it was even more kid oriented than the uh, the batman cartoon that preceded it last season
4: yeah uh, yeah i i agree um i watched it with my girls uh my oldest girl is six and she's really starting to get into the superhero stuff you know with my prompting and um and she enjoyed it and she didn't know the blue beetle so i got a kick out of her asking about who the blue beetle was and I I thought it looked pretty good. I thought the animation and everything was good. Um, Not a lot for the adults, in my opinion. I mean, the the Batman is kind of a real old-school, almost even 60s animated Batman, and he's kind of goofy, and he cracks jokes,
0: and... He's got, like, all kinds of crazy gadgets.
4: Yeah, yeah. It was much more camp. You know, again, it's nice for the kids. I I'm looking forward to having them see all these characters that they never got to see before, and maybe it'll lead into, you know, more enjoyment for them. But not a, not a bunch for the adults on the first episode, anyway.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, I, I guess we get spoiled after Batman: The Animated Series and Justice League, and and even uh, the the series known as the Batman that was on right before this one. But uh, it definitely hit it on the head. It definitely has that '50s, '60s cartoony style, like uh, Dick Sprang or Alex Toth like that real silver-agey kind of looking Batman. Yeah. And uh, he just seemed to have, uh, again, kind of campy like a gadget for everything. I mean, he goes off into outer space, you know, right. through a wormhole in this first episode to help these little blob people against Kanjar But, I mean, I think back to when I was a little, uh, a little geek and when I first saw, like, the Super Friends and how that was kind of like my gateway drug into the DCU. So I I'm wondering if this would be the same thing for little kids now, like you said your daughter was interested in who the Blue Beetle was and
1: right. and whatnot. I need to get but that on. I need to get that and watch it uh with, with my daughter. She's five, but she knows like she knows who Batman is, obviously, but she also she does know Blue Beetle, at least from the Tiny Titans, you know, but she can recognize him. So I'm looking forward to see how she react uh to seeing him on T V like that.
4: Yeah, that's interesting. I was just gonna say that, that it, it's nice because They get to see the characters as they really are, even though the content is played for kids, which is great. You know, like, my daughter knows the Tiny Titans as well, and now they have, like, Supergirl in the 8th grade, where they're they're changing the character, you know, to make it kid-oriented. This is at least the real characters. They're just doing, like... Lower level things
0: that are you know not too deep. It was definitely the incontinuity uh, DCU at the moment. Um, you know Jaime, the uh, the Blue Beetle that we have now. Right, who I thought
4: was Jamie the whole time, and now I realized that it's Jaime. They do they do call they do call him Jaime in
2: the in the cartoon. Yes, I was okay.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do, and his friend Paco. But it's um, kind of
2: interesting how they've you know it's it's like they've and, and I don't think this is a bad thing because I think I think at some point you know. I'm a, I'm a big believer in you've got to do something to get kids and smaller, you know, the younger audience back into to comics and to this universe because otherwise we're all going to get old and crotchety and, and you know, nobody's going to read comics anymore because we're all going to die off. But, um, you know, we saw when I wasn't a kid, but I was, I was, I was younger, let's put it that way, when, when Batman the Animated Series came out, and that was very, you know, almost adult nature, and then the X-Men cartoon, and then we saw Batman Beyond, and the Spider-Man cartoon, and they were definitely not the, you know, the the stuff we saw as kids in the 60s and 70s. Um, and then, you know, Justice League, and now it seems like it's kind of, it's turned the corner back towards the younger audience, you know, where we see, like, the Batman, and we've seen tiny, you know, Teen Titans Go, and and now, um, you know, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, and um, and now this. So I think it's kind of interesting how it's come back, and I think the more Adult older audiences is, is the is the direct to DVD stuff that we're seeing.
0: So I I, I think it's kind of interesting how it's how it's basically you know kind like sort of like a thing. new frontier and Gotham Knight and that kind of thing. So you're right, saying right. that it's like a two tiered attack the the uh, the um the DC premier DVDs for the adults and then the uh, the they're orienting their their cartoons more toward the kids. I could totally see that. I mean, it's a good strategy. Yeah. The uh, the other um, media spotlight I wanted to bring up. It has been my latest obsession on the Xbox 360 uh, is Fallout 3. I don't know if uh, any of you guys have seen the ads for it or the commercials that have been running uh, with the ink spots. It's um, this game is incredible. It's, it's basically uh, to, to to really simplify it. It's it's like the Road Warrior of the game. It's after a nuclear holocaust, you're scrambling for survival you you know, are scavenging whatever you can off the the you know destructive land i think it's something like 20 square miles of a uh, game space and uh it's just really beautifully rendered it's all uh, of the washington dc metropolitan area uh after a nuclear war and um the it's an alternate timeline where uh, the american culture was pretty much stuck in the 50s uh you know with its bright cheery outlook of nuclear power in every home and uh the the whole eisenhower uh you know 2.4 kids, and Suburban um, suburban Ideal. And uh, it just, took us an here with some really great humor. Uh, the the uh, program, programming house is uh, Bethesda. Uh, the people that did, uh, did Oblivion a couple of years ago, right. they make really huge um, game spaces that are just full to the brim of things to do. Um, I'm something like 35 hours into the game, and I'm not even halfway done with the main quest. Uh, there's it's uh the difference between this and Oblivion though is that this plays more like a first person shooter like uh Halo 3 or Call of Duty 4 um you have firearms you have guns and um you it pl- you can play it exactly like a first person shooter or you can use more of the RPG aspects by using a system called VATS which is your vault assisted targeting system and uh you're able to s- stop time and then aim your shots uh for different body parts and if you get a critical hit, it explodes in a wonderful shower of gore and dismemberment and destruction. Nice. Um, But it's super fun. I mean, so far in the game, I've found uh, a a Coca-Cola bottling company. Uh, I found an old mall that had turned into a slave market. Uh, There's Mm. a city made up of it. They basically took an aircraft carrier that was docked uh, in the uh, Potomac and turned it into a city called Rivet City um it's uh there's voice acting from liam neeson and malcolm mcdowell uh it's just it's just really a, a fun game there's a lot of cool moral choices you can take uh whether you want to play it evil or good or just remain neutral there's a lot of a uh, lot, lot to see and a lot to do the graphics are all uh immaculate high def i haven't seen any clipping or uh, any issues like that and uh i don't know it's just an incredible game
4: that's great it's um it's a good time right now, but the, it seems like the the crop of games that just came out for the holiday push—they're all getting like really high markings. Yeah, um, there's yeah. been some
0: there's been some good stuff. Actually, the terrible part about being a video gamer is that they they put out ninety percent of the product in like a two month span, and there's no way you could possibly afford every cool game, or at least I can't. I mean, I don't know, but uh, I'm sure some people can. But, uh, I mean, I can't afford every cool game at once, and you're right. There are a lot of really A-level games coming out right now. you got Resistance 2 for the PS3, uh, Gears of War 2 for the Xbox 360, uh, Fable 2 also for the 360. But uh, Fallout 3, I'm I'm really enjoying it a lot, and there's so much to do, and the game space is so big and so beautiful. It's the most beautiful wreckage uh, I've ever seen. Um, And I just acquired a a dog, actually, in the uh, the game named Dogmeat who looks just like the dog from uh, Road Warrior. So He'll uh, hunt out uh, like uh, health packs for you. He'll help you out in fights. Uh, the only problem with having the dog is, though, if you try to go for stealth kills, his growling tends to give you away. To your, uh, but you can always you know, send him away and do your, do your thing. But um, it's, it's pretty fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot.
4: Cool. I'm actually playing um, on the PS3. I'm playing Dead Space right now. Dead Space is a, is a really good game too. It's a it's a hybrid first person third person shooter, um, but they did throw in some role playing elements in it. You can find these power nodes, and then you can use the power nodes to either upgrade your armor or your different weapons. So as you find these nodes in hidden places all around, um, you know you can either build your character as like a heavy. Armored character, or you know, you can build up your melee weapons, or you can you know build up your long range stuff. So you have a little more control over the over the character, and it's just really like a super creepy, kind of like a Doom Three shooter. You know, you're on a you're on a dark ship, and the lights are always blinking, and there's these really gross creatures everywhere. You know, they like give birth to like smaller gross creatures and stuff, and
0: it, the trailers just, make it look kind of like a Resident Evil game. Does it play kind of like that? Yeah, like it's got a, 4, it has or, a
4: survival element. Definitely, it's a it's a hybrid. It's a shooter, survival horror. You know, in space, really creepy. Good music. It's it's dark, and you can hear things moving and breathing and like running around on the upper levels above you and stuff. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's like I said, it's a little more than just a the shooter. They they put a little role playing game element into it which is really cool. Um, so I've been enjoying it. I would, I would definitely recommend it. I'm, uh, I'm into, like, Chapter 5. I'm a bunch of hours in. I don't, I don't think I'm near finishing it. You know, I had heard that it was short um, going in, but, I don't know, short is different, I guess, for different people. But so far, so good. But I did want to mention, uh, I wanted to see what you guys thought of the Mortal Kombat DC Universe game that's coming out, I think, this week. Have you guys seen any yeah. screenshots for that or anything?
0: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been, been seeing that. on
4: it. I was wondering. Um, I'm a. I was a big Mortal Kombat fan. I, I've been into like all the most of the different ones that have come out. Maybe not the last couple. Um, but the thing about the Mortal Kombat games that separates it is the blood and the gore. You know, if you weren't able to rip somebody's spine out, you'd just be playing Street Fighter. You know what I mean? Like it really separated Mortal Kombat. And I, I didn't see them doing it with DC, and apparently they didn't do it with the DC characters. Well, I guess you can do it to the
1: Mortal Kombat guys, you just can't do it to the DC guys.
4: Oh, is that what they
1: that did? That's my understanding. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, Superman, so can, Superman can pull out Scorpion's spine, but not the other way around.
4: Wow, so I wonder what it does. <laughs> right, if, if but if you're Scorpion, and his finishing move is to rip out your spine and you're fighting a DC character, you know, what does it do? It has a whole different fatality. Well,
1: well let's put it this way. the jo- jo- They put the Joker's finishing move out a few months ago as, as a promo piece, and he basically pulls out a gun, points it at the guy, and he's, like, just kind of standing there wobbling, and the little flag comes out and says, bang, and then he, like, looks at it and shakes it, and then he points it at the guy's head again and shoots it, and this time a bullet comes out and kills him. So there's definitely some good wow. lore and blood coming out from the DC guys as well. Just nothing like like the over-the-top stuff. I
0: All think right. the D- real DC game to watch will be that new Arkham Asylum game. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. It's Very coming out next year. That, yeah. And yeah. so with the Unreal 3 engine, uh, Paul Dini from the BTAS is writing it. It looks like it could be really incredible.
4: Yeah, that would be good if we got... Um, there aren't too many good superhero games, to my knowledge, anyway. A lot of them crack, seem to fall short. Down. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, Crackdown's fun. This is just, just that, that's oh, just I fun.
0: Love, I love Crackdown.
4: It would just be great if it was like a re, a real I don't want to say a real superhero, but you know, like a licensed like one of the DC characters or one of the Marvel characters in the same game. It would just be so much cooler to me, anyway.
1: Uh, Ken, what do you got? Any media? Any media? Yeah, I got some media for you. I'm uh I'm actually been way behind on my podcast listening listening because I've become rehooked uh again on some audiobooks i've been listening to uh i just don't have time to read the comics i have let alone book books where i feel like i've got to you know engage a different part of my brain that i just don't have the time for so um i got my hands on uh i've been reading the legacy of the force the latest uh series of books from the star wars universe and i think i'm on book number seven now there's nine total and it's just been a great ride and what I love about these Star Wars audiobooks is, unlike a traditional audiobook, it's, it's not a full cast, it's still one reader, but they're, um, it's more of a, of a performance. Like There's background music, the Star Wars music, there's like the lightsaber sound. So when there's a, a lightsaber battle, you can you know hear the, a lot of ambient, no, ambient background noise on it. it. It just sounds really, really great. My only problem with them is that they are abridged. So you're not getting every single word that was written down on the page. Uh, okay. Um, I know, like I started reading book number two, and there's a really nicely detailed scene um, where Jason Solo, the son of Han and Leia Solo, helps them pilot the damaged Falcon back into Coruscant, where it's practically falling apart, using nothing but the Force. And he's like, you know, thousands of miles away on the planet's surface as they're trying to come in. That whole sequence was not in the audio book. Almost to the point where it's like, Whoa! Like, what happened from there to there? Had I not read that, would I have realized it? So, and there's a couple of moments like that, like what happened? You know, did I miss something? And you, and you did, but I think the rest of the presentation kind of makes up for it. So, um, I, just just having been able to listen to the audiobook like that, uh, it's been a while since I've listened to a really good one like that. And these Star Wars books have really, uh really piqued my interest, and I've really enjoyed listening to them. So kind of boring, but I haven't had any time for TV or anything else. So that's my my media thing.
4: I checked out um, the company's, I think Graphic Audio, it's yeah. called, and they have they have the DC yeah, license. Audio. Yep. I checked yeah. out um, Batman: The Stone King. I think is the title. Yeah. Yeah. Now is and that, that that's a full it,
1: cast thing, right? I that's
4: think? a full cast, sound effects, music. You know, the whole nine yards. The only thing that I'm not sold on yet is the actual story that they're telling. You know, I don't know if it was a novel previously. I don't think it was a comic run, right? The Stone King? I'd never heard of it before.
2: Yeah, I looked at some of their... I looked at some of their... Like, there's, I guess, a Wonder Woman, a Superman, and a Batman, and a Justice League, and none of those plot lines sounded like they came from the...
1: Um, now are these are the same guys that did do like crisis on infinite earth and 52 infinite- and things like that
2: yeah yeah i I have their infinite crisis yeah and it was it's pretty good because it incorporates a lot of the um it incorporated like the the, the minis leading up to infinite crisis and the one shot specials and stuff um and it was in two parts so yeah it was really good like 12 hours worth of audio for infinite crisis and they got 52 out. Um, as well, I picked
4: that up. Right. Yeah, so I would started the, the uh, this Batman one, and um, I guess I'm a few chapters in. And, and like I said, the only thing I'm not sold on is is where the story is going and how good a Batman story it's going to be. But I, I like I love the full cast and the you know the sounds and the music and you know it's really a you know you close your eyes and it's a movie. So I'm interested to see how that story turns out. If it if it's good, I I definitely check out. Um, You know, Justice League or even the Superman or Wonder Woman or whatever they have.
2: Uh, I guess you're up, Russ. Well, I've been watching more TV than I should. Um, But one of the things um, that actually my wife and I have been watching, she's she's big into the, the crime shows and all that kind of stuff, especially the true life stuff. But one of the things we've been watching is that Showtime series, Dexter. I don't know if you guys have seen that Showtime series, Dexter.
4: About no, I, he, I've seen the DVD sets, and there's always like a bloody guy on the cover.
2: Like, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he's basically a blood spatter expert, a forensic expert that works for the Miami Police Department, who kills killers. So he he he's a serial killer that, that goes after either serial killers or um, just really, really, really bad guys that have committed murder um, and stuff. And so... It's interesting how, um, he, he's, he's kind of very, the main character has a very quirky personality. And, uh, so, so far the their third season is actually on Showtime. We, we don't have Showtime, but, um, we, me and my wife been watching the DVDs and we've, we've been through season one and just finished up season two last night. Um, and it, it, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's very different. Um, it's definitely very cable. Um, it's definitely not something you'd see on, on broadcast TV, um, but it's just if you like any of that, you know, kind of crime, you know, um, you, you know, stuff or, you know, um, just kind of quirky um, you know, murder murder mystery kind of thing, um, it's 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 pretty good. It's, it's, it's been a good show. On the other end of the spectrum, I've been watching the, uh, the Clone Wars animated. I don't know if you guys have seen the Clone Wars animated show yet. Yeah, I've been checking it out.
0: Yeah,
3: I,
2: I heard it's a I lot better it.
4: than the movie, which is good.
2: Yeah, I you know I really shame on me. I can't, I can't believe I call myself as big of a Star Wars fan as I have, and I I didn't go see the the movie at the theater, um, but the the TV show is very. I, I've been really enjoying it. The only thing um, that really you have to look past is the the kind of silliness of the droid army. They get the whole Roger Roger thing, and they act kind of quirky and silly. Um, but but there's a lot of um, you know um. Serious tone to it and some of the other stuff, you know, they actually shoot some of the, you know, some of the clone, you know, troopers, you know, die off and, and, you know, there's some somewhat realistic, um, you know, you know, consequences to what, to what, you know, what these characters are doing. It's not like the old GI Joe where, you know, every time a plane gets shot, somebody jumps out, you know, the parachute, mm-hmm. even if there's a helicopter. But it, it's, it's actually been very well done. I've been, I've been pretty Im- impressed with it overall.
1: I pretty much maintain that if if they took the store the three part storyline that was uh, the Maelstrom the big ion cannon weapon that yeah, yeah. Uh, if they had taken that one and made that the movie it would have had a completely different reception than what it got. It would have been much much more well received. It would have I was, certainly would have enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure about Jabba's kid being all the interesting and, and I think I was proven right. But that's that. This, this TV show has been great and I even said then even though I saw those same that same movie on TV for the first time I probably would have thought something different as well so it's it's thoroughly enjoyable it's everything you said it is
2: the other thing I'm looking forward to and it's actually on this evening is um the uh, star wars robot chicken 2 I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show robot oh chicken, yeah but they've done, oh, they've yeah. done they did a star wars theme uh, once before and they're they're doing another one so I'm sure they'll re- replay that a
0: lot but I think uh, they had me laughing what the away. hell is an aluminum falcon yep that's what I going to say that's <laughs> yeah. got
1: one of the best lines in there what yep <laughs> yeah yeah
2: whole well, Boba Fett in the mirror you know talking to himself yep. yeah it's just it's just it's really good fun really good fun
1: sorry I thought my dark I, lord of the sith could protect my a small thermal exhaust port. it's only two meters wide <laughs>
0: I'll tell them to... what the you were about Padawan or Panda Bear or whatever the hell her name was.
1: <laughs> oh, geez, crying again. Now, now I have crying. to edit. <laughs> oh,
0: I'm oh. sorry, dude. Oh, man.
4: I'm just going to beep it. It's funnier than editing it out completely.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. On the video game front, I, I haven't got anything new. There's a lot. I'm definitely wanting to get Fallout 3 and um, some of the other stuff, but I've been uh, I've been playing through Grand Theft Auto 4 slowly but surely Um, it it, it really got really high ratings but um, to me it just seems like more of the same I mean yeah through graphics and and all that but the soundtrack is really disappointing especially as compared to like Vice City Um, um, that that just had that whole 80s um, soundtrack going for it Um, I've been playing um, i got Guitar Hero Aerosmith so nice. You if guys if like Aerosmith? That's that's a fun one to that's a fun one to break out with. Um, and then I've been playing. I'm a big Final Fantasy fan. Um, I'm really waiting yeah, for I'm Final sure. Fantasy thirteen on the PS3. It hadn't. It had, uh, who knows when it's going to actually come out? So I, I broke out my uh, PS2 version of Final Fantasy twelve. So I'm, I'm going back through and playing it. And um, I'm, I'm so waiting and praying for the series. day that they actually. Take Final Fantasy VII, and they revamp the graphics and the voice and the, the video and stuff, and, and redo that for the PS3. But um, Square Enix keeps saying they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. But um, we've heard that before for other things. So I keep I keep holding out hope that that they'll do it because that was just Final Fantasy VII is probably my favorite favorite game of all time.
0: Yeah, it was the mm-hmm. most popular cast of characters. There. I mean, they've already done a tech demo uh, doing over, like, the first few minutes of Final Fantasy VII with PS3 graphics. So, I I would, they would be foolish not to do a remake, to be honest, if you think about it.
2: It would sell, like... It, it, it would be the biggest seller the PlayStation 3's ever had. I mean, it would just... I mean, cause I think Seven is, like, one of the highest-selling video games
0: of all time. Yeah, um, it, it so sold so, a lot of PS1s. Oh, yeah, exactly. I
1: yeah, I remember that game. Like being on the on the other side of the counter selling that game. I had to drive down to Allentown to pick up the shipment from from my store and two other stores, deliver it. Here I'm coming up with a hand truck full of cases of this game and me and a line of people in my store waiting for me to to arrive with this game. It was it was popular from the moment it came out. And if wow. you try
2: and buy that now, it's like ridiculous. Like it sells for like fifty, sixty bucks on eBay or something like that. Isn't, really? it, isn't
1: it available like on the PS3 Marketplace or something? You can download like some of their other old games, or maybe yeah, maybe not that I one. Maybe not that one. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, I haven't seen that. But yeah, my kid my kid bought it a while back and then rebate it and like made like double on what he paid for it. It was crazy.
4: Uh, one thing I forgot before we before we wrap this up is uh, Tropic Thunder is coming out on DVD this week. Yeah. Anybody that has not seen Tropic Thunder, definitely check it out on DVD. Netflix it right now. <laughs> I, I guarantee laughs. I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah, it's, it's Jack it's Jack Black, Robert Downey, um, Ben Stiller. What do, you,
1: what do you mean, you people? Yeah,
4: yeah. and it's just they're, they're... What do you mean, you people? They're just doing a parody of themselves, and it's just... Oh, and even the uh, Tom Cruise. It's like my favorite Tom Cruise role. You know, he he does a great uh, part where that'll take you by surprise, and just funny, funny stuff. And there's fake trailers in the beginning, so if you see that green preview screen and you usually, you know, skip past it on your remote, they're fake trailers, and they're funny as anything. So <laughs> stick stick with it in the beginning. Cool. Yeah, definitely a good time.
2: Um, so, so, John, are you uh, are you waiting in anticipation for the uh, Dark Knight Blu-ray?
4: Oh yeah, that's a big one.
2: Yeah, that's that's
4: a no brainer. I've had the opportunity to see like regular deaf versions on it and I won't do it. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm hanging on to that one for the Blu ray, definitely. Nice. That should oh. be um that should be big for Blu ray. I mean there there's gotta be Christmas people, you know, getting somebody a machine with the Dark Knight movie, I would think, you know. I, I would think that like you guys said that it sold a lot of PS ones to Final Fantasy Seven. You know, I would think that The Dark Knight would sell a lot of Blu-rays, or some, anyway.
2: Yeah. Did you see, I I saw an article, not to get too far off topic, but it looks like Blu-ray is on a faster track to um, adoption than DVD was. And DVD is, like, the most widely accepted um, electronic thing in history. And and Blu-ray seems to be um, surpassing it.
1: So I thought that was... I'm not surprised that's outpacing DVD. I mean, DVD was an untested format at that point, and a lot of people maybe it, weren't, weren't sure about how it was going to compare to a disk, which is what they've had before. They really you right, to do that you again. Couldn't, you
4: couldn't stick you couldn't stick your VHS tape in your DVD player. So yeah. I think now you can still play all your DVDs and even up-convert them. You know, it, it's just an easier switch. Yeah. Even though upconverting's never done anything for me, I, I really don't notice uh, too much. No, you really can not Yeah.
2: To me, it just it seems a little crisper. I mean, just just it tightens it up just a hair. But yeah, there's definitely you know don't don't think you're going to stick your standard definition DVD in there and it's going to look like you know night and day different. No, but
1: it'll now. it'll look better than your standard definition you know TV show might look. It'll look better than yeah. that, but it won't look as good. as it. It's not going to look high definition.
2: No no no. No. Like I said, to me I noticed it kind of tightened it up a little bit. Um, but
4: that's about it. I should have mentioned Kung Fu Panda in my uh media yeah. <laughs> section. What a what a great first of all, well, it's a great movie. It, it, is. it really is a great movie. And my kids loved it and I loved it, but the Blu-ray is unbelievable. On the vi- the visual quality on on the 3D animation. I guess you would call that 3D animation, right? Even I don't know. I'm confusing my animations. It's not 3D. You don't put on glasses. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, I,
1: I know what you mean, though.
4: Yeah, the computer animation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it was it was outstanding. Really was. Can yeah. I get that on beta? Uh probably um, in cool. Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anybody have anything to add before we wrap it up? I'll take that as a no. No. Yeah, no, I guess
2: not. How much will will be? Uh, Next week, of course, we'll be back on track with a uh, with Watchmen 8.
0: Right. With a full complement yeah. of dudes this time.
1: <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah.
2: And uh, I'm
4: not even sure what the one shot is after that if we've decided. I don't
1: think we nailed it down yet.
4: No, okay. So yeah. we'll, we'll announce that at uh, the end of the Watchmen show. And uh, please feel free to visit us at thecomicforums.com in the Half Hour Wasted Forum. Email comments to comments at legionofdudes.com. We'd love to hear from you. We certainly are looking for the feedback and uh, to give you guys a shout out. And what am I forgetting, guys? Anything? That's it. All right. Have a good night. See you next time. Hey John. Yes, I got you the TiVo. I know how to read a mighty different, I'm with like light, so bright like a cryptic knife with a bite. Holes, blocks for my lipstick knife, but night Troll, no telling that you might The environment's got be hot the side of the
1: side. The irons, the vitamins, hot side of the side. writing. The rhymes is hard to keep poverty guarded because the irons. And I motivate, motivate, we're taking it over, make no mistake. You're faking, there's
3: no escape because you got
1: heart.
2: Frozen
3: waiting for the cross.
1: Why? I can take it to another level where the basis and
3: put the trouble in your faces. Double of this and it doesn't settle it up in the